Welcome back to Meet the Investigators from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. I'm your host, Nicole Selvig, ICIJ's Editorial Fellow. On October 30th, my phone blew up with notifications about the result of Brazil's presidential election. And perhaps like some of you, I wondered why this election had such major international coverage. Well, today my guest is going to break it all down. Guilherme Amado is an investigative reporter who was born and raised in Rio de Janeiro. He's a news columnist for Metropolis and director of the Brazilian Association of Investigative Journalism. Plus, Guilherme spent years covering the two men who were battling it out for the presidency, Jair Bolsonaro and Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, known as Lula. Bolsonaro, a far-right politician, was the incumbent. He's been serving since 2019. Lula, on the other hand, a left-wing progressive, already served two terms and was vying for his third. Barack Obama once called him the most popular politician on earth until he was caught up in the middle of a massive corruption scandal. Although the election is technically over, the fallout continues. Even while Guilherme and I were speaking, he heard some surprising news from his colleague. Sorry, I think it's one of my reporters. The Bolsonaro party has just said that they don't recognize the result of the election. We'll get into that part of our conversation in a bit. Guilherme, thanks for joining us. Bring us up to speed. What were the major issues in this election? Democracy and uh, the social challenge would be the most crucial issues. I, I don't know for how many years we would have to wait to return back to democracy if Bolsonaro had won. We have a country that is back to the hungry map of the United Nations. And uh, I think that probably it wouldn't be a priority in uh, another government of Bolsonaro. Uh, he denies that there are people hungry. He, he says that it's, it's fake news. Guilherme got to know Bolsonaro's government intimately when he wrote a book on how it dealt with the coronavirus pandemic. The book is called, in English, No Mask, The Bolsonaro Government and the Bet for Chaos. I'm sure that he saw the, the pandemic an opportunity trying to present himself as a solution of an autocrat. In many, many moments during these two years, he was very close to authoritarian decisions, but for sure his dream is, is a system that he wouldn't have the Supreme Court, he wouldn't have the Congress and other obstacles that, that democracy brings. Bolsonaro's presidency has also been a point of concern for journalists. The Committee to Protect Journalists ranks Brazil ninth on its Global Impunity Index, which measures how dangerous it is to be a reporter in countries all across the globe. Earlier this year, British reporter Dom Phillips was killed in the Amazon while covering the harms to indigenous communities and the environment under Bolsonaro's government. We cannot ignore that when the president says that it's okay to attack journalists and that journalists are enemy of the people because Bolsonaro, uh, he, he said the same that Trump did. So of course, Bolsonaro didn't uh, fire the gun, but the environment he created, this environment is the same 
in which Don Phillips was killed. But uh, for the kind of journalism uh, I make now, uh, I think that the most dangerous uh, situations are those in which we are investigating extremists or supporters of the president that are fanatic people. This isn't just a hypothetical. Before the first round of the election in September, a minister's lawyer contacted Guilherme. He, he sent a WhatsApp message uh, mentioning the name of all my family, my, my mother, my sister, my, my brother-in-law, my stepdaughter. It was with the goal of, of saying, hey, I know who they are and, and, uh, and trying to make me stop. These kind of people, I feel that uh, they are as dangerous as those that are the middle of the forest. I went to the police, I registered a complaint against, against him. In the first moment, the police officer didn't want to register because he said it wasn't a threat. He said it was uh, normal. Curious is that I have already investigated drug traffickers, mm. <laughs> uh, militia groups, and I never had this kind of problem. Given the critical issues of Bolsonaro's presidency, election night was tense. I was in the newsroom. We were reporting not only the, the, the results, but also the behind the scenes of, of that day. So calling many sources that were close uh, to Lula, close to Bolsonaro. So we were afraid, we were anxious. Uh, when the results start being released, Bolsonaro started winning. It, it was expected because in Brazil, the states of the South, the results start uh, being released before from these states and then from the Northeast, in, in which we have many supporters of, of Lula, but everybody was very afraid in the, in the newsroom. And when the official result was released, it was relieving. Lula's win was a great victory for the left. But oddly enough, as much as Lula is loved, he was involved in one of the biggest corruption scandals in Brazil's history. Provoking one of the largest corruption investigations in South American history, the car wash scandal has left its mark on countries from Brazil to Peru. Business leaders, multinational corporations and politicians have been caught up in allegations ranging from bribery and money laundering to distorting the democratic process. Operation Car Wash was a federal investigation which alleged that leaders of the state-owned oil company Petrobras accepted bribes to award contracts. The scandal completely tainted the image of Lula's party. Many people voted uh, not for Lula, they voted against Bolsonaro, you know. What was uh, at stake uh, in this election wasn't uh, only corruption. No, both both have problems uh, in this area. Bolsonaro in his personal level, Lula in the level of his party. But the problem in this election, as I, as I said, was about the possibility of having a system of combating corruption. You know, it's, it was about the possibility of having uh, an environment uh, of of improvement of social life conditions, of uh, women rights, of black people rights, you know, so uh, it, it was much more than corruption. 
What do you think Lula needs to do now that he's back in the presidential palace? He has a lot of challenges as well. He cannot accept again any big scandal of corruption. But more than that, I think that he himself, he has to to be the example. Probably, you know, it's almost impossible to have a government with well, any uh, a possibility of corruption. When it happens, I think that he has to be very serious and he and maybe uh, fire the person while the person is, is being investigated and things like that to to show that uh, he, that things changed. Because we had a chance uh, now uh, with the defeat of Bolsonaro, but Bolsonaro is still very strong. And uh, mm-hmm. that atmosphere that brought him to power, uh, it still exists. So in four years, if Lula fails, I think that maybe the far right wing powers in Brazil, they can return to the palace. How has Bolsonaro reacted to Lula's victory? He didn't say uh, till now, we have eight days of he being defeated. He didn't say yet, I was defeated. He didn't say Lula won. He said that he had an incredible support. Actually, he's right because he had more than 50 million of, of votes. And this is incredible especially considering what was his government. Uh, but this is very dangerous, you know. So, for example, now while we are talking, the president of the party of Bolsonaro has just said that they don't recognize the defeat of Bolsonaro. Uh, what will happen? Uh, I cannot say. Bolsonaro's supporters argued that his defeat was a result of voter fraud. At the time of recording this episode, Brazil's senior election official stated that an election review did not, quote, point to any fraud or inconsistency. We're lucky to have Guilherme here to explain the fallout of the election, but as a journalist, he's covered far more than presidential politics. In 2014, for example, he developed a WhatsApp-based network connecting Latin American reporters writing about organized crime and drug dealing. So how did he get here? When I was a child, one of the things that I liked to play was to create a newspaper. I know that's a kind of something that you you expect to, to hear from a journalist. And uh, I think that until I was 14 or 15 years old, I was pretty sure I would be a journalist. And then when I was a teenager, I got the idea that journalists would uh, have terrible salaries, you know, and uh, terrible income. And I didn't like the idea of being poor and uh, not having a job. On that time, uh, it was the beginning of many layoffs in Brazil because of the digital uh, transformation. And I think that somehow, because I had uh, other journalists in my family, I was affected with that. So I thought about working in advertisement. And after two years working in an ad agency, I was totally unhappy. That environment didn't fulfill me, uh, fulfill my, my dreams and my expectations for for society and for the improvement of life conditions of everybody especially in a country like brazil that have 
many many poor people and then i decided oh i will be a journalist i will try to do my best not have a terrible salary <laughs> and uh, and work hard <laughs> and here i am you mentioned there was another journalist in your family how did they influence you yeah i'm talking about my my aunt she was like a second mother and uh, i grew up in an environment of many great journalists many uh, scoops. Uh, she, she has also worked in the kind of column that I, I do today. But I, I feel that especially this relationship uh, with journalism as a, as a mission, I, th I think that's something that I, I learned with her a lot. And this is not 100% good. She didn't have the division of a personal life and a professional life, you know, and I don't think that this is good. I tried to do it better than, than she did. Guilherme even shared one way he's trying to unplug. Because I need to relax, so I'm reading uh, José Saramago, that's uh, a brilliant uh, Portuguese novelist that won the, the Nobel Prize. And he's fantastic because uh, he creates stories that are very, that of course they don't exist, they're, they're a little bit fantastic, but he uses these creations to, to talk about our current problems. And this one that I'm reading is, is probably in English is the doubled man. It's a professor of history that find that there is a man in movies, an actor, uh, in very very side uh, roles that is identical of him, and uh, and he he starts trying to find who is this man, but he tells in a way that's very funny and relaxing. For being a Brazilian in 2022, it's important to relax as well. <laughs> that note wraps up this month's episode of Meet the Investigators. Big thanks to Guilherme Amado for giving me the rundown on the presidential election and giving us all some more insights into the country's political landscape. Meet the Investigators is a production of the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. This episode was produced and edited by me, Nicole Sodic, with help from Hamish Bull and Rudder. Don't forget to share the episode on social media using the hashtag MeetTheInvestigators. See you next month for our last episode of 2022.